Apartments are getting bigger and houses are getting smaller, according to a new survey. And was the buyer beware warning from Building Commissioner David Chandler a case of victim blaming? I'm Jimmy Thompson. And I'm Sue Williams. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. Hi, Sue. Hi, Jimmy. So, there's a new survey out that shows that flats are getting bigger and houses are getting smaller. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because there's this big, kind of big, tiny house movement, which is right. apparently having a big effect. And there has been a very small, tiny apartment movement too. But I think people are just feeling a bit claustrophobic looking at those tiny apartments. I know I have. Lots of the ones that have won architectural awards are kind of really interesting how they've managed to kind of put the bed underneath the cupboard and, you know, you kind of yeah. sleep in a drawer and that kind of thing. But I think you just look at it and you think, oh, that you, just that doesn't look like a decent life at all. You feel like you're living in a Rubik's Cube, wouldn't you? Like <laughs> if, you, uh, if I want the table, I have to remove the bed. And if I, <laughs> if I want to remove the bed, I have to shift the TV and... And of course, you have to be tidy. I mean, in all these houses, when you actually look at them, the photos of them and when they've been styled, there is nothing out of place. And you think, well, mm. what happens with the newspapers and the books and the, mm. the the odd socks and the jumpers that you've just, you know, thrown aside? I mean, there is no room for those, really. You probably have to rent another f- flat next door to put yes. all your junk in. Or a storage room. So bigger bigger apartments. They're talking about this is a survey uh, by Comsec, the Commonwealth Bank Securities Trading People. The figures come from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, and basically they're saying that houses are going down. This is the size of new houses. The floor plan of new houses has gone down a little bit. That's probably good, isn't it? Because aren't we still the country in the world which is the, builds the second biggest houses after the US, which we are. is astonishing. I, I guess that was fine in the old days when we had lots of land, but these days... It's well, you know, with this, you take a city like Sydney, which is reaching the limits, um, you know, getting out towards the mountains there, you know, you're restricted. But it's also a limit in terms of how far public transport and roads and things like that can go. Mm. And also in Sydney, the land that we're now starting to take up with housing is where we used to grow our fruit and vegetables. Mm, yeah, that's really important. So to it's keep kind of counterproductive, around. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you can live somewhere, but you'll starve to death. But it's funny because houses are now, I think, on average, according to that survey, um, 222 square meters, mm-hmm. and apartments have grown to 128 square meters. Yeah. So is there a point at which they're going to equal each other? Well, if the houses get smaller, for sure. And the apartments get bigger, yeah. Well, I think one of the things about the houses, we we talk about the McMansion, and that's where you have a room for basically every thought that you might have had. (laughs) You know, you have the rumpus room, and you have the media room, and you have the sewing room, and... In it, and you and the ironing room. Oh, the ironing room. I quite like one of those. I, we know someone who used to have an ironing room with his special, his, I hasten to add, his special steam-driven iron um, where he used to spend many a happy hour flattening his shirts. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, and, and it's it's like we've gone from, hey, we could have this, we could have this, which meant we must have this, to do we really need that? Do we really need all that space? Do we really need all these rooms? Do we really need all that junk? Mm. Because we all got a lot of junk. 
Yeah. But when we were growing up, I mean, I don't know if it was the same for you, but, you know, we had, we shared bedrooms with brothers and sisters. We um, shared bathrooms. I mean, we were a family of five. We had one bathroom and we, didn't, we never thought anything of it. But would people be able to downsize really effectively now? People are so used to having... You know, each person in a house has the, almost their own bathroom. Right. Would they yeah. ever be able to go back to all sharing the same one? I don't think so. I think what's happening is that all those people, I mean, it's part of the immigrant experience, uh, people coming from poorer countries in terms of space, etc., like we did from the UK. People come here and they go, wow, I can have my own house. I don't have to have a council house. I can have my own house on my own piece of land with my own backyard and I can have as many rooms as I can afford to build and each of the kids can have their room. The kids have grown up now. Mm. The kids have, And the kids are not saying, hey, we'll take over the family house and, and we'll bring up our children the same way you brought us up. They're going, we'll sell the family house and we'll go and buy an apartment much nearer where the, the facilities, facilities yeah. 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 Near the train station and near work, that kind of thing. Yeah, and the parents are doing the same thing. They're going, well, we lived out here because it was better for the kids, because they could go to a nicer school, blah, blah, blah. And they're now saying, hey, we want to go to the cinema and we want to sit and have coffee in the morning on a table on the street outside a cafe. Mm-hmm. And people have got money, they're retiring early, they're moving out of these big houses. The houses are harder to maintain. Apartment living is a very attractive option. Now, yeah, the apartments are growing because people don't want to have to make too much of a compromise. And also um, families are moving into apartments now too. I mean, they they see they don't have time to look after the back garden, so they're moving into an apartment where there's maybe a common area where the kids can play. Um, There's, you know, in some apartment buildings now, there's parks really, really close by for young children. There's um, childcare facilities in buildings I mean, it's fantastic for kids, really. Yeah. Kind of remember when I was a kid, you just wandered out in the mm. morning and came back at tea time. Yes. <laughs> Nobody knew where you were or, or indeed cared. <laughs> but also design is getting so much better now as well. Um, smaller houses can be beautifully designed so they can actually feel like really big houses because mm. there's no wasted space. Whereas before, big houses tend to be all sectioned off into separate formal rooms and informal rooms and lots and lots of corridors and a big entry foyer that nobody ever used. Right. Kick their boots. So, you know, design is enabling people to live in smaller spaces, smart design, and and great materials as well. Yeah. And, you know, you look at some of these uh, terrace house conversions where they go in and basically gut the place, take out any wall that they can possibly remove without it the building falling down, they open the whole place up and you walk into them and you could swear you were in in an apartment Mm, because they're using a lot of the functional design that people have been using in apartments to make the best of most of the space. Because some of these uh, terraced houses, you know, the older ones are tiny. They are. I was just writing about one of them this week, though, which has won lots of awards, and it's been completely refashioned. And when you look at the images of it, it's quite incredible. It looks like a massive house. But then you look at the outside and the the facade, which is 100 years old. It's an old Victorian terrace in Mm. Sydney in Surrey Hills. It just looks like an ordinary terrace and then it looks like as soon as you go through the front door you're kind of like in a tardis almost right because <laughs> the ceilings are really high there's a, a bathroom with 4.5 meter high ceiling wow and a skylight which is retractable so you can kind of open the skylight and look at either the stars or the 
bushfire smoke or whatever's yeah. around really and um it's quite astonishing yeah you know, architects are having really quite innovative visions now and are doing incredible things and my favorite redesign of a, of a terrace house was the cat lovers terrace house where the bookshelves were designed were built in and designed with ramps on them and then little tunnels that went up to the the upstairs bedroom you know so you'd be lying in bed in the morning and it would make it easier for your cat to come and wake you up to, to get fed because <laughs> it would just come up through the floor and uh, presumably fantastic. they had a little door you would think you would hope but uh, maybe not but i just <laughs> thought you know that's taking pet loving to a, a real i don't know if it's a ridiculous extreme it's an amusing extreme yeah well i mean i was just reading a story today about um a man who's a racehorse trainer and because of the bushfires now he's sleeping in the stables with all his racehorses and a couple of goats and his dogs and things because wow. he just wants to make sure they're safe you know so we all have our pets and we all kind of care for them and yeah 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 make accommodation for them really it makes us better people it does right after this, we're going to talk about the warning for apartment buyers to caveat emptor, which is buyer beware. That's after this. And we're back. So... David Chandler, the building commissioner, a couple of weeks ago said basically that people who buy apartments need to take more care. And that's that would solve the, the problem with apartment blocks falling down. Well, I was outraged when I heard that. I was absolutely furious. I mean, how can he expect us, apartment buyers, to be experts in all things apartment? I mean... You know, I, I can look at a wall. I don't know whether that wall is going to fall down. I need an engineer by my side. Mm. And as you point out, if you do have an engineer's report in every apartment you try and go and buy, yeah. and you're trumped at auction in each of them, then, geez, it's going to start costing you a huge amount of money. Yeah. And uh, in fact, the, the in the article that's on the Flat Chat website at the moment, I spoke to a planning lawyer who told me that he wouldn't even know who to contact. <laughs> to get a full survey done. And this is somebody who's been in the industry for years, but because they haven't bought an apartment in the past few years, they would be going, well, well who do I call? Now, mm. you go to the, the real estate agent or the vendor will say, hey, I, I got this building survey done um, by somebody who's got a letterhead and possibly nothing else. And and you can trust that the the building is okay, but you can't really, can you? No, not at all. Especially if it's a new building, especially if it's a building that you're you're buying off the plan. Um, you, there's no way you can check that that the building is going to be okay in five or ten years. No, really. I mean, the checks need to become to come at the beginning of the building process, don't they? When the building is going up. Yeah. It needs to be properly checked by registered engineers, yes. people who know what they're doing and can provide a certificate, a proper meaningful certificate at the end to say, this building's okay. This yeah. building won't fall down even in an earthquake. I mean, I, w I want that system to be in place. Right. So, what? I mean, this is a big problem at the moment, is what do we do about the buildings that don't have that? I mean, we've often said that what you should do is check the bona fides of the builders and, and maybe only use the big building companies, the big developers, if you want to be sure that they're still going to be around if and when problems arise, and the likelihood of those problems arising will be reduced anyway. 
But the lawyer I was talking to said, well, the big builders, the big developers don't have the capacity. If you knock all the small developers out of the equation because they don't have a track record or, you know, they haven't built that many buildings, they, the big developers will not be able to fill the gap. It'll be mm. a huge undersupply of, of apartments. But surely this is a government, this is a bona fide government problem. Like nobody else except the government can solve this problem. And it's astonishing that the government-appointed building commissioner is the one saying, oh, no, look, it's not our problem, it's your problem. Yeah, yeah, victim-blaming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what if you had somebody who was checking standards on food right. and said, okay, well, I'm checking whether this food is rotten or not, but really it's yeah. up to you. You yeah. eat it, and if you get sick, well, that's your problem because you should have known. You should have Got someone to taste it for you first <laughs> and, then, and then seen if they fell over. That's absolutely ridiculous. Don't you agree? Oh, totally, totally. I mean, it's just such a... But it's such a typical building industry thing. It's And it's such a typical government thing. Not our problem. It's a complete cop-out. Absolutely. And, you know, this government, they, they should be ashamed of themselves. You know, really, when you look at the amount of money that they take in through stamp duty and things like that, and then to turn around and say, and it's the same applies, of course, to the, the cladding issue yeah. that we talked about last week. They take our money and then they, when the problem arises, because they've allowed it to arise, they say, oh, yeah, tough, not our problem. Deal with it. You know, you, you, you made a bad bet is basically what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, what is the point of having a building commissioner? I mean, they said they were going to come in and they were going to fix all these issues. And sure enough, I mean, they may bring in building certificate certification le legislation later on, but they've brought in a building commissioner. So you think, well, surely that should be the beginning of the solution to the problem, not the start of a whole new raft of problems. Yeah, we keep hearing that what the economy needs to get it going is for the governments the state and federal government, to inject more money into the economy. Well, how about injecting some money to fix the buildings? That would be an excellent thing, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be good, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. You say, okay, yeah, we'll do the cladding thing for you. We'll look after the companies. I mean, I'm afraid it does have a bit of an echo of the insulation program that Kevin <laughs> Rudd brought in. But it will save more lives than it costs, you would sure. hope. But, you know, that's the kind of thing they should be doing. They should be just saying, look, it's a, it's a community issue. Only some people are affected, but everybody can benefit if we stimulate the economy by it. Sure, because it would restore confidence. The people whose houses or whose homes benefited, the value of their homes, their apartments will go up. Yeah. So they will feel more wealthy. They'll start spending more. And we need to get people to spend more to keep the, the economy bubbling along. And you know what the problem is? It comes back to the original issue. It's blame the victim. Blame somebody. Let's blame somebody, like we just did. Let's blame somebody <laughs> rather than let's fix the problem. Rather than just going, yeah, yeah, some bad decisions were made. That's life. But we have the capacity to fix a problem. Let's fix it. Mm, I think that's an excellent idea. I mean, it always strikes me that we're a country where we... we order commissions of inquiry into nearly everything when things go wrong and then the experts produces huge reports and fabulous reports telling us exactly what's going on exactly what needs to be fixed and how to fix it and then the reports are all quietly shelved and we just carry on yep it's well that's it you know they're pouring more money into doing reports than they are into fixing buildings sure. they've got it the wrong way around 
definitely. Yeah. So, okay, when we come back, we're going to talk about Airbnb and how they've been getting into trouble everywhere from Tasmania to New York. That's after this. actually happening with Airbnb at the moment? One is, why is there so much um, kind of publicity swirling about them all over again? Well, they had a bad week a couple of weeks ago. They had a problem at a party house uh, where five people, I think, were shot and killed at a New Year's, not a New Year's Eve, a Halloween party. And that was in the US? That was in the USA, yep, in California. There was a referendum against them in New Jersey, which is very close to New York, which is one of their hotspots, where a majority of people came out and voted in favour of restrictions. Um, Those restrictions being a maximum of 60 nights Wow, 60 nights is not many, is it? It's not many at all. And all these things like registration and forcing people to be pay taxes and stuff like that. So basically, they're very much on the back foot there. And I think that happened even despite them running a big advertising campaign. Something like, was it 6.2 million Australian dollars spent advertising, you know, and, and of course their advertising is all about freedom and freedom of choice and... And that that weird thing that they do, well, it's not weird at all, it's quite clever, where they go to people and say, hey, do you like Airbnb? And people go, yeah, because I went to Portugal last year and, and I used an Airbnb and it was fantastic. And then they come back and say, you know, 60% of people that we asked said they love Airbnb, probably more than that, actually, the real figures. What they don't say is hey, would you like people in your apartment block to have Airbnb and bring in visitors from all over the world that you've never seen before? And I think, I'm guessing, (laughs) the figures would be a little bit lower. Just a little bit. That's a very good point, I think. And the other bad news for Airbnb recently was the Australian tax office is saying, look, we're not stupid, we've got computers, we can find out who is or the properties that are being rented on Airbnb. And we can correlate that with other information and go to people and say, well, two things. Have you paid tax on your earnings? Because that's extra earnings. You've got to pay tax on that. And if you have paid tax, are you claiming too much back? You can claim if you're using Airbnb in your apartment or your investment as a business, you can only claim for the nights that you've used. So you go and buy a new dressing table or whatever and you claim that you can only claim the proportion mm. so if you're doing it a tenth of the year you could only claim a tenth something of the like that yeah i mean i'm sure there's a tax accountant out there banging his head off the wall going no 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 it's not like that at all <laughs> it's but it's kind of like that mm. so you know you're certainly your running costs electricity etc etc can only be uh, slated back to a tax deduction yeah, and I spoke to B&B Guard, which kind of monitors um, illegal short-term lettings by Airbnb, and they were saying that the tax office threat 
is much bigger threat than any other threat whatsoever. I mean, you can threaten to take um, people um, renting on Airbnb illegally to NCAT or to all the other states' regulatory bodies. Yeah. But that doesn't actually affect people half as much as the tax office, which threatens their earnings and you know they might have to put in lots of back pay from previous years as well. And, I lo- and it's the idea of the threat, isn't it? It's as much as the actuality of it. Mm. It's people going, of all the people who are after me, the one organization I don't want is the tax office. And it's actually quite easy to track track people down, isn't it? Because they're through their listings on Airbnb. Yeah. And it's quite amusing because in, in one of the reports on this, it said that the tax office was getting information from the online rental companies. And you realize it's not just Airbnb saying, hey, these people have let properties through us. Mm. It's people like Stays or these other rental people going, did you know that that guy has a property on on Airbnb? (laughs) You think they're dobbing everyone in? Absolutely. They're dobbing like crazy. Oh, how funny. Yeah, how un-Australian. Yeah, because isn't there a new company that's just opened up over in Australia as well? I think it comes Uh, from, oh, Israel, which gathers together all the... um, It's like Trivago for Airbnb-style Lettings. Online letting. Yes. So you you go on that platform, or that platform picks up all the all the listings in from an everybody. Area that you want, where you want to go. Well, you go in, and it's like when you're you're trying to book a hotel room in Malaga. You go to Trivago or Booking dot com or whoever Malaga, and you'll get all the hotels in the price range that you want. Well, this platform is saying, well, we're doing the same for all the different sort of little websites as well as the big ones like Stays and Airbnb, which is actually a threat to Airbnb. And yeah, because it brings the others up onto the same platform. Absolutely, them. puts them on an yeah. absolutely level playing field. Mm. So uh, that, that probably explains why they're all dobbing each other in like mad things. <laughs> and there's another interesting thing about that, that survey we talked about um, earlier. The size of, of homes, the biggest apartments being built, are being built in Tasmania. Why? I have no idea. Maybe it's because they've got plenty of room. Or well, I suppose they would have, wouldn't they? And building costs might be cheaper down there. Yes. But also... And maybe it's, it's lots of interstate migration, I think, as well. There is a so lot. There is a lot going on. If you come on. from Sydney or Melbourne, you'd look at it and think, wow, I could have a well, six-bedroom, yeah. eight-bathroom place there for what I pay for a yeah. little time. With a rumpus room. Yes. <laughs> I've, never, I've never known what a rumpus room is. I always imagined it was basically a lot of cushions and you can lock the door so the kids can't get back out. That's certainly what it would be in my house. But the other thing is um, there's a company called Propertyology who are property investment consultants. And they're saying that you're looking for an area of rental growth. Hobart is the place to go. Mm. Because basically they say generally 3% rental availability when that drops below 3%, that's the trigger for rents to go up because there's a shortage, officially. The rental availability in Hobart at the moment is 0.6. Wow, that's pretty tight. It is very tight. And this propertyology people just casually say the reason for this is Airbnb. (gasps) Because in Tasmania, they just basically said, come on down. Yep, open up your businesses. It's fine. 365 days a year, sure. And maybe that's why they're building such big apartments, because it might be groups of friends coming down, it might be Uh, families coming down for holidays. Yeah. They might be looking for bigger apartments to rent. Yeah. Because kind of Tasmania is a sort of family place to go, isn't it? I mean, it's also, I suppose, 
a place you go and eat fabulous food and drink really nice wine. Yeah. It's kind of families, really, yeah, still, yeah. you know, fresh air and safe places and lots of greenery and trees. So you think these big apartments are being built for the rental market and the holiday rental market? That would make sense, wouldn't it not? Mm, it would. But also, I guess, as I said before, the interstate migration would be a big factor too. I mean, Tasmania is very nice, but it is a bit chilly in the winter and it is a bit quiet. So you kind of en end up entertaining at home, I imagine, really. You kind of ex invite your friends from Sydney down to come and visit you because you get a little bit bored. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah and, hunting those Tasmanian tigers. Yeah. You just... <laughs> and you have two TV rooms. Yeah. You know, for a couple and, yeah, I don't know. I, I can imagine why you'd want more space in Tasmania. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's that's it for this week. Now, on the website, we've got these stories. We've got the stories about the buyer beware. We've got the stories about flats getting bigger and houses getting smaller. we got a, a whole bunch of Airbnb things. On the forum this week, we have, can you do anything about somebody having too many tenants in their flat? Can you do something when you got a fire compliance certificate when you the building was built and then the fire people come around two years later and say none of this works. Uh -huh. The fire doors are on the wrong way around, there's no fire dampers, the, the alarms are not connected. What can you do? And a couple of people in a small block have put air conditioning in the roof and the committee, who I suspect they're members of, have gone, yeah, yeah, that's fine, don't worry about it. And somebody who is not on the top floor is worried about it. Mm. So that's all on the Flat Chat website, flat-chat.com.au. Thank you again, Sue, for coming in and chatting to us about flats. Great. I always learn so much from you, Jimmy. <laughs> and, and I from you. Um, we'll be back again next week with another edition of the Flat Chat Wrap. If you enjoy these podcasts, and would you still be listening if you didn't, you can subscribe free of charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and lots of other podcast platforms. As I said, it's free of charge, and that means the podcast will be delivered directly to your phone, laptop, or computer as soon as it's published. You'll find links at the end of the show notes, that's the related story, on the Flat Chat website. And the website is where you go to find the stories we've been discussing today as well as about 10 years of archives and, of course, your questions and answers on the Flat Chat forum. Just log in to flat-chat.com.au to ask a question or, even better, answer someone else's. Okay, thanks for listening. I'm Jimmy Thompson. Talk to you again soon. <laughs>